0: Okay, that, that sounds feasible. Okay, hi, Butch. Composed will read uh, I'll be 68 in December. Uh, my highest recorded weight was about 11, 10, 11 years ago. It was 385 pounds. That's the recorded weight. Trust me. It was more than that. And I've been around program for 31 years. My recent bout of abstinence is seven years, three months. Um, clattering of days. Um, I ha- my weight right now is between 178 and 180, which for the 5'10 I've shrunk to, I used to be six foot, is a very normal weight. I'm not overweight, I'm not obese, I'm not morbidly obese, and I'm not super, super morbidly obese. And so my story starts in Northeast New Jersey, where I grew up in a very dysfunctional family uh, my mother was an Italian Catholic, so I went to Catholic. I didn't go to a Catholic kindergarten, which really kind of screwed me up because I was allowed to use my nickname in the kindergarten, which was Butch. Uh, I did attend first to eighth grade in a Catholic school, and trust me, from the first day, it was all downhill. Not only was I didn't know my real name, which I'm not even going to mention because nobody had called me by it, but... The nuns said I could not use that. I had to go by my Christian name. So the very first day, the first thing that happened to me was I was completely embarrassed. And trust me, it was downhill from, that, from there. Um, I hated school. I hated being taught by nuns. I was terrified of them. And they never touched me. They never touched me because my mother told them if they hit me, she'll hit them. But they did know how to terrorize me, and they did a good job. Uh, I was not a fat kid. I didn't start gaining weight until I was about five or six. Before that, there were were pictures of me that showed me as a normal thin kid. I don't know what happened. Lots of things happened. My family was in disarray. My mother was a a, a very anxious woman who took a lot of anti-anxiety medicines, would only make it worse. And my father was very not interested in dealing with it. They fought every single day. My older sister hated me because I was the younger one, and so I got attention after she was born which pissed her off okay so i gained weight between you know you know first grade and and like fifth grade to the point where by when i was 12 years old i was 275 pounds so i was no stranger to being obese and morbidly obese i was not i was the fattest kid in my school and i was tortured 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 You know, the the only way I can describe it is that I lived in a one-mile square town, and the school was about six blocks from where I lived. If I was walking directly to the school and I saw someone I knew from the school, I would walk a complete block out of my way to avoid passing them because I knew that the exercise was better than the pain they could inflict on me. I was a very shy, very crazy, you know, introverted kid. <laughs> People find that hard to believe now, but I was. Um, you know, the good news was that after eighth grade, thank God, I went to a public high school and that, and I was still overweight. I was, I was like still 275 when I entered public school, but I I decided it was time to go on a diet and I, uh, I made a very simple diet, Diet three meals a day, and I cut out things like heavy fat. You know, if I was going to have a burger, I wouldn't have fries with it. I, I did things that were healthier, and I lost, like, 60 pounds. And I didn't think I looked thin, but all of a sudden, I, I guess I did, but I didn't think so. All of a sudden, I had friends. And I was being accepted in, in a crowd, and it was
1: amazing.
0: The only friends I really had before that were, like, my cousins, because they kind of had to tolerate me. But these were people who were peers, who were my friends. And it was intoxicating, I have to tell you. And one of the things that happened is with all the kids in this age range, we started to go hang out in, you know, the corner. And somebody would bring apple, you know, apple form boom wine and we would drink. And I got sick one night and I threw up. And I realized, I thought I was very clever. I realized that anything that I had eaten in the last while came up when I threw up. And what a nifty little trick I had discovered. So from the age of about 12, 13 until 38, I was bulimic. Day in, day out, two, three, six times a day. Uh, And here's here's a note of caution. Yeah, bulimics can achieve a lower weight because they're getting rid of the food but your body really doesn't like it. So as you start to lose weight from believing me, your body starts to hold on to more of what you put into it. Trust me, it becomes a nightmare. You'd gain, you'd lose, you'd gain. It was it was complete and utter insanity. Two very significant, three very significant things happened to me in my teenage years. One, at about 13, I realized I was gay. This is the 60s, 63, three, sixty-four. It was a devastating revelation to me because i the only thing I knew about being gay was it was a sin and it was a mental illness and um, it was probably a crime. I'm pretty sure it was. I don't know if I knew that, but I knew it wasn't, uh, it wasn't socially, socially acceptable. That I knew. Um, and about a year or so after that, my mother, who was one of us, and did things like smoked, you know, three to four packs of Chesterfields a day, and like I said, had terrible anxiety with anti-anxiety medicine, died at 48 from a massive culinary in front of me, which kind of left me completely screwed up, depressed, miserable, dark. Unfortunately, it also left me very susceptible to other people. I was working for my brother-in-law. My sister and I still didn't get along. Working for my brother-in-law. And he had a cab company. I met a taxi driver. I thought was cute. We talked. And he looked at me and he said, I know, I know what's bothering you. And I freaked out. And he said, you're gay. And I thought, oh, my God, it's that obvious? Oh, Jesus, I'm screwed. He said, but I have a friend who's a therapist who can help. And I thought, okay. And he was cute enough that I thought he'd go. You know, he was cute. So I figured, all right, you know, sex mode. I uh, went to meet this friend who was very encouraging. He said, there's nothing wrong with being gay. And it was the first time in my entire existence that I had that affirmation. Um, what I didn't know at the time was this person was not legally a therapist and that he was full of shit, pardon my French. And But I didn't care because all of a sudden, I had school friends and I had these people around me he, was, he got involved in what was called the therapeutic community. And it was a very popular thing in the 60s and the 70s. And to me, it was like heaven, because here were these people who knew who I was, everything about me, except the bulimia, which no one ever knew. And they accepted me. I stayed involved with them as crazy as they got for I – I got in at 16. I didn't leave until I was 36. So, for 36, for 20 years of my life, I was fed absolute BS about life, love, sex, relationships, et cetera. At 36, I had finally had enough and I left. I had managed in the course of that time to have a relationship with somebody. I was ugly. I thought I'd have never have a relationship, but I did. I had a boyfriend for 12 and a half years and we left together. And then about a year and a half later, he left me. And I was devastated. I, I was suicidal. I mean, I was there was never going to be another person in my life. I was never going to be happy. And the bulimia was flare. And I was in train. A friend came to me and said, because my ex was an alcoholic, and I really didn't quite see that, but it's true. Now I can look back. He said, you need a program called Elanon. And I went. And, you know, it was, back, that meeting was like, an eye-opener to me. And I knew there were programs called Anonymous. And four days after that Illinois meeting, I went to an OA meeting. And I sat in this meeting. It was a men's meeting in the LGBT Center in Manhattan. And there were about 12 or 15 men. And there was only one that was actually heavy. They were all pretty much a normal weight. And I sat there, and they talked in a way that I had never heard another human being talk. They talked about food in a way that I completely and utterly related to. Buying three times the amount of food, pretending you're having people over. You know, just insanity, the insanity of compulsive overeating. And on top of that, the bulimia. That night, it was, it was in August, I think it was August 27th of 1989, or 88, I don't remember the exact date, but I admitted for the first time that I was bulimic because other people in the meeting had admitted that. It was also the very last time that I was ever actively bulimic. My compulsive eating came back later on, but the bulimia has never returned, because I think I had really finally hit my bottom with that. And I had a little weight. I had about 40 or 50 pounds weight, because bulimia does tend to keep you not super fat. So that first meeting, there was somebody who had such a great sense of humor. I walked over to him, and I said, would you be my sponsor?" He said, I'll be your food sponsor. I didn't know what that was, but I thought, okay. He said, three meals a day and a snack, no sugar. I said, okay. I, I was willing to listen to anything. So, I started this food plan, and I got abstinent immediately and I was on a pink cloud. Uh, what an amazing time I had. You know, I was still suffering from the end of the relationship, but there were all these people who understood me and cared about me, and they weren't interested in my money, and they weren't interested in controlling me, and I thought, this is great, you know? And for five and a half years, I had the most amazing abstinence you could imagine. I went down to about the weight I am right now, between like 18, 175 and 180. I had a 34-inch waist. And although I didn't realize it because of my crappy feelings about myself, I looked terrific. About four years ago, one of my ex-boyfriends who I'm still friendly with during this period, sent me a picture from his birthday. And there I was, and I looked at my, I didn't recognize myself in person. I said, oh my God, I would have dated me. I looked wonderful. And I thought, Oh, no, what did I do to myself? What did I allow myself to believe that was just not true? Um, but lots of good things happened in that last years. I went back to college. I got my associate's degree in computers. And I met, you know, I dated a few people, got my heart broken a few times. And I met a really wonderful man, someone who I hadn't really thought of as a partner when I first met him. But, you know, we, we got together a year after we first met. Uh, he had been married, he was getting divorced, and I, I started this amazing relationship with him. And uh, we've been together 28 years, and he's the center of my universe. And many people know him, I'm sorry. But the reason I'm alive is because he's here and he loves me. Um, I lost my absence because I was an American asshole. I was. You know, I have this lick. I can cheat on my food plan and come right back. Even though I had heard it is easier to stay abstinent than it is to get abstinent. I was that arrogant because I had such a great recovery. And I lost my abstinence and I didn't get it back. In fact, I was ashamed and I felt dreadful and I stopped going to meetings. And over the next 19 years, I went from that, you know, 180 pounds that I was to 385. In the process, my my, my 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 husband, who is now my husband, and my boyfriend, we moved to Oklahoma for jobs. Good jobs, actually. I don't know why I thought that was a good idea. Two gay men in Oklahoma was a very bad idea. Really, trust me on this bad idea. It's not that we were hassled, but I didn't feel safe at any moment I lived there. Um, we had good jobs. We eventually lost them, which left us in a real financial bind we owned a house. We, had, we, were, we were underwater. It was a nightmare. And I don't know if any of you have ever seen, there's a documentary called Gray Gardens about these two women. It's a, it's a, it's a mother and a daughter who are living in this mansion that's falling apart around them because they're so dysfunctional, they can't handle anything. This was me and, and my husband living out there. And whatever higher power exists, understood that this was not going to work for us. Uh, in the summer of 2012, August of 2012, well, August is a very significant month for me. Um, usually not a good month, but a significant one. There was there was a brush fire in a town below us, and 300 home, houses burned, including ours. And that gave us the opportunity to get the hell out, and we did. I moved back to New York, not to New York City. And we couldn't afford that, but we were able because it was the bottom of the housing crisis. We were able to buy a small little house. And it's connected in New York for fifteen thousand dollars. I probably could have gotten it for ten. They were so glad to you know get it off in here And it was functional. I mean, it wasn't in great shape, but it was it. Was, the heat worked. The electric worked. The roof didn't leak. You know, it had running water. I thought wonderful. It's it's a home. Um, we stayed there until uh, twenty thirteen when I was diagnosed with stage four throat cancer. And I didn't even know that happened. I had had a swollen Grand situation, and I I didn't go to my doctor. I thought it was a tooth thing, trying to find a dentist. The dentist finally told me, no, it's your tonsils. They they said they have to come out. They took them out, and I didn't know this, but four days later, they called me and said, oh, you tested positive for cancer. You have stage four cancer. And my husband and I cried for 20 minutes, nonstop, because I thought I was dead. You know, I thought I was dead. That's just a little over five years ago, and I went through having a feeding tube and I went through three, two chemos. And the second one almost killed me. They couldn't give me the third one because they were sure it would kill me. And I went through seven weeks of the most grueling radiation. I have very little saliva left. My um, thyroid gland was practically destroyed. And the worst part is that my thyroid affected my vision. But you know what? I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm at a normal weight. Okay, we we had to move into senior housing because I was too weak after my cancer to be able to to really get around. It was just not going to be possible. So we went into season and that was a godsend because really the truth was that I was so weak those first two years, you know, and I developed a, a horrible drug addiction from from everything. I'd had a bad accident in 1994 and back pain, and you know doctors that kept feeding me, you know. Good. opiates you have you have 5 minutes left thank you hon so much opiates and uh about a, a 11 days after my cancer treatment my most beloved dog who uh, who i found as a stray at 4 months old who had been next to me every moment of that time died from cancer and it just pushed me over the edge I used 30 days of benzodiazepines and opiates in 10 days. And I had to go into detox. Truly one of the worst experiences of my life. Worst. But I had come back to program. And I had come to this meeting about six months before the cancer. And I got abstinent. You know, I kept coming back after my 19-year relapse. And I kept hearing, keep coming back. And don't leave before your miracle. And through all that, I stayed abstinent. I did. I wasn't losing a lot of weight. I mean, I lost weight having a feeding tube in, but it didn't matter. I had a food plan that was not insanity. It was not, you know, tons of food and tons of this and tons of sleep. Um, we, now, I'll, I'll catch you up today. Yeah, I told you my weight. My husband and I are are, are celebrating eight years of marriage and 28 years of being together. Uh, We bought a new car. And we're not rich. We're living on social security, but I I went to DA, so I learned how to handle my money better. Uh, We have a a car that's brand new. It's two years old. We bought a house November 8th. It'll be a year, you know. And it, it hasn't been perfect. There's been ups and downs. But I've recently had a tragedy in my life, a real thing that upset me. No one died, but it was it was a, a person had to leave my life and it, it crushed me and it drove me back to alanon on into another program that I needed. And this one too, because this is my base program. This is the one that keeps me as sane as I can be. And um, you know what? I forgot how wonderful meetings are. Now I haven't been around the phone meetings, and I do apologize for that, but I loved face-to-face meetings, and there just weren't any. I mean, even here in Albany, where I now live, there were like two, and there was like four people in it, and maybe one was it. Usually, that was me. And so, uh, the phone meetings were a miracle that saved me. But the Zoom meetings, where I can have my expressions, where I can see people react, are so amazing that for the last few months, like the last four or five months, I have been going to Zoom meetings. And I'm doing that in three programs right now. I'm doing a 90 and 90 in a new program. And I'm, I've practically done like 30 meetings in 30 days in this program. And I have to tell you, I have never been clearer. I have never had more hope. And I still feel the pain of that, that terrible, that, that traumatic event that happened. And I'm going to feel it for at least four more months. There might be a resolution. There may not. I don't know yet. But the truth is that today, today, I was joyous, serene, peaceful, and free and put in a position of neutrality of all my addictions. And trust me, spin the wheel of addiction and any place you land, there I am. But today, as almost a 68-year-old man, I am in better shape and have better health than I've had in almost 11 years. And with that, I will end. You know, there are parts of the story missing, but you've gotten the gist of my story. And I really hope that someone identifies with it and says, oh, I can use that and I can use that. I listen to everything people say because I know there are gems like keep coming back. And there are things like it's easier to stay absent than to get absent and don't leave before your miracle. As a topic, I will leave the thing that makes my life work every day. And that is gratitude. I do a gratitude list at least three times a day, at least before every meal, because I know that I am a bite, a bad thought, and an insane thought to the next insanity relapse. And I will not survive it. I'm not young enough to survive it again. Thank you for letting me share.